The current episode was recorded the day before the tragic death of Dante Wright, a 20-year-old black man fatally shot by Brooklyn Center police officers on the evening of Sunday, April 11, 2021. As the host of Hmong American Christian Podcast, we mourn with the Wright family, with the black community, and with the rest of the Twin Cities and our country. It is this disproportionate state-sanctioned killing of black men that causes us to lament, to grieve, and to work towards justice for all of humanity. Welcome to Hmong American Christian Podcast. Raising the experiences, stories, and faith perspectives of Hmong Americans seeking deeper integration of ethnic identity and Christian faith. We're your hosts, Dur Lor, Paul Kong, and Second Yang. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to the second episode of Hmong American Christian Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Second Yang. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast and to like us on Facebook at Hmong American Christian Podcast. Today, we'll be discussing a topic that's important to the three of us, justice. Paul, Dur, how are you guys both doing today? I'm doing pretty well. I'm still going through this whole process of a church sabbatical-ish, and that's a whole different kind of topic. But besides that, I uh, had a great time you know, with family and just having a great time to uh, remember that Christ died for us. Man, that was emotional just thinking about that again. Yeah, I am enjoying my second cup of coffee. It is just after 12, um, so I'm right on schedule for my second cup of coffee. I'm doing good. Yeah, we had a really great uh, Easter weekend. I'm doing really well. Easter often reminds me of uh, death, obviously, with uh, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, but hits me a little more personal uh, because uh, listeners probably don't realize this, but I, I had an older brother that passed away before I was born. And so it, it really resonates with me during this time of the year. And uh, for our listeners as well, uh, that's also why my name's second. But I can, I can go into that story at another time, but I don't want to take up too much of the time today. But it reminds me of those things. And yeah. as we carry on this conversation of social justice, it's, it's an ongoing conversation in our country. And especially because of the recent events around George Floyd and other black and brown people that are being killed. And not only that, but in addition to the numerous attacks on Asian Americans that's happening all over this country, and as Hmong Christians, you know, we we believe that it's important for us to have this discussion on Hmong Christian podcasts about justice. So as yeah. we start here, guys, like, and as we look at social justice here, what has it looked like for you in your church setting? Uh, I want to be honest, and um, <laughs> with my journey of social justice, it's kind of been... Um, not present in my Christian life until recent, in the recent years. Uh, I want to say maybe five, six years that it became more of a, a topic uh, in my life and uh, convictions as a Christian as well, too. Um, I, I won't have to say that majority of my Christian life being the Hmong church, I actually don't remember my church talking about it. Growing up, I went to one of the largest Hmong church, and I think there's a, a lot of reasons why um, culturally, um, you know, coming to America and just trying to survive. In my journey in the Mon Church, um, it was never a primary point of conversation and, and never encouraged. Yeah, well, I didn't grow up in the church, um, but I can tell you from being outside the church, I never saw or received the message that Christian faith and social justice went together. That was not the message that non-Christians saw growing up. And in fact, I remember later on in my adult life, learning that Dr. Reverend Martin Luther King was a Baptist pastor. <laughs> that blew my mind. Wow, wow. That he is, here, here's a pastor who I, growing up, 
the public education system taught us he was just a civil rights activist, which he definitely was, but he was a pastor who was a civil rights activist. And I think that just speaks to how divorced faith and justice was perceived, even to people like me who were outside the church. Or maybe even how society wants it to look like, right? But yeah, second, what was it like for you? Yeah, growing up in Indiana, and especially because my family, we didn't start going to church until I was a senior in high school. Justice just wasn't a topic that we really talked about um, as a family, and it wasn't a topic that we talked about in the church at all. I think there's parts of it where our home history, where we've been marginalized people, nomadic people, and we've always been a minority, you know, whether we're in Southern China, Laos, uh, in America here. And when you're a people group, but that's a part of your past, a part of your history where you've always been disenfranchised, you've always been pushed to the outer parts. Mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't think that justice is something that you, you think exists, that you can a- achieve or that you can have, or that people will even advocate for you or listen to you. And so in my family, we rarely talked about it. And I remember when we were younger and playing football, my dad actually talked to us and we were, my brother and I were kind of surprised because my dad said that, you know, because you're playing sports, people are going to judge you based off of your skin color. They're going to mistreat you. They're going to things to you that aren't fair. And so I thought it was, I thought it was pretty uh, forward thinking of my dad to have that conversation with us. And that was actually the first time where I thought about, wow, like, my dad thinks about this stuff, you know, before that, we never had that conversation about, mm-hmm. you know, racism or whatever. It just, it was stuff that happened to us, you know, growing up in that, you know, Greenfield, like we were chased going down the street as kids, people would yell racial slurs while they were driving down the road, roll their window down. They would just, you know, shout it out of mm-hmm. the car. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Bullies would, would ride their bikes alongside us and, and, you know, knock us down, try to push us over, things like that. So this is like our experience. And so, you know, me being a kid, I thought my dad was like Superman, you know, like, oh, no one bothers bothers my dad. He's like the strongest one guy I know. And then when my dad had the conversation with my brother and I, when we started playing sports, I was kind of like, wow, like my dad thinks about this stuff. Yeah. Um, but then when we started our church, again, it wasn't a topic that we talked about. And I think there's a part of the, again, the monk story where, you know, you don't talk about those things that would make you sad or make you cry. Mm-hmm. But yeah, th- those are my experiences. Wow. Sorry to hear that. It's um, I can relate to that. Um, a lot of stories here in St. Paul as well, too. So uh, especially my friends who grew up in Woodbury, um, a lot of those similar, similar things happening. Uh, so very unfortunate. Yeah. And for me, I don't typically like to get involved in you know games of semantics because um, I think it just distracts from the real issues and the real concerns. However, I also know that words are important and words have meaning. And the adjective that we place in front of justice, you know, it's caused a lot of division in the church, unfortunately. And for me, I fully affirm the definitions and implications of saying biblical justice. Yeah, I don't want to lose sight of the real goal by arguing about words, you know, that precedes justice. Mm -hmm. So again, I fully affirm that God is a God of justice and he calls for us to be people of justice, you know, being his followers. And when we read the Old Testament, you know, uh, for example, specifically in Jeremiah chapter 22, uh, Micah chapter 6, you know, and we also see in the New Testament, Matthew's gospel is filled with warnings against exploiting people, uh, paying fair wages. And we also see a lot of the examples in uh, Luke's account and Luke's gospel too. You know, the author goes to great lengths to talk about and to emphasize justice in his narrative. So how would you guys define justice? Yeah, what a question for us to address. (laughs) 
Yeah, I think there's a lot of different ways of talking about justice as we're already highlighting. There's social justice, which is kind of an umbrella term that covers what I call justice spread across social dimensions. Justice, this word throughout scripture that just means right relatedness or doing what's right, doing what's fair. Righteousness is doing what's right, right? What's equitable. And then applying that simple biblical word justice in Greek is dikaiosune, means justice or righteous, applying that at the social level. That's to me the basic definition of social justice is that it has to pay attention to humanity as a society. Yeah, and Jerry, just to interject real quick too, you know, as I've been studying the scriptures, you know, the one that has surprised me the most when I'm I'm reading through it again is like Second Corinthians, you know, chapter eight, you know, and in verse fourteen, Paul writes that, you know, as they're collecting money and things like that, he says like the goal is equality. Like Paul mm. writes that in his letter to the Corinthians that that the goal is equality when mm. when they're trying to raise up money for the poor. Totally. And you look at Acts two, where the early believers distribute their belongings equitably amongst uh, themselves is another example. You know, uh, when I think about social justice and biblical justice, I have to say that I like the term biblical justice as a Christian. And I know that a lot of people uh, who uh, I've talked to, they, they prefer to just say social justice to encompass everything. For me, it makes sense to use the term biblical justice. And, I, and, and feel free to disagree with me. But I, when I think about it, I think that there's this piece to social justice, I mean, biblical justice, uh, the intent is towards God. I think we can all agree that we all want justice, right? Especially when it's, when it's for ourselves, we can all, we all want justice. But then the next step is kind of where I think things can look different is when we talk about uh, whose justice or by whose standards. And I think that's when I tend to like the biblical standard, right? That's why I think biblical standard is important to identify that we are trying to live off of God's standards of justice. And then there's also, you know, I've talked to other people who their justice, the way they go about justice is not what I would consider a way that I would go. And so that's why when I think about biblical justice, because it puts an emphasis on God's justice. And I will have to say that God's justice is at times is not what I want (laughs) as well. Like the way he does it, right? There's forgiveness, which I think majority of Christians want to advocate for, right? Well, forgive one another, forgive me, and let's move on. But there's also a biblical perspective on justice uh, where we can't forget it's accountability. And so that's why, for me personally, I lean towards the idea of uh, biblical justice because I know that a lot of people who also hold to social justice, they're not Christians, right? And they wouldn't even uh, consider any of the, what they're doing uh, for God or of God, Um but so for me, there's this little semantic where intent kind of implies in there. But uh, <laughs> that's kind of how I kind of to di- dissect it a little bit. Yeah, and, and I don't want to get all philosophical here either. But when I look at the different arguments for justice and even who God is and God's character, you know, we see in the Old Testament, you know, in the, in the book of Exodus, where God gives the Hebrew people you know, the Ten Commandments. I'm sure many of us, our listeners, are aware of the Ten Commandments, and there are these guidelines when it comes to, to life, it comes to, you know, civil guidelines, it comes to uh, how we have relations with one another, you know, mm-hmm. we shouldn't steal, uh, don't commit murder, you know, don't covet, these types of things. And and like what Dr. was saying, like, this talks all about fairness. 
And when I start looking at justice and when I think about it from a biblical perspective, like it is rooted in who God is. It's a part of God's character. And when we say, you know, oftentimes, you know, when you hear people say that God is a God of, of love and he is a God of love and, but God is also a God of justice. And I get concerned because many times when I hear Christians talk about justice, they want to truncate justice. They want to, they want to just only leave justice to where it affects them and their situation or it's what is their, what their needs are or what they've experienced in their lives. And, and they don't branch it out to other people groups. And the reason why I say these things is because, you know, you know, for example, you know, we all believe that God is a God of love and we'll say things regarding marriage. You know, uh, God is a God of love. We'll talk about how we should love our wives, how wives should submit to their husbands about how we should care for our children, uh, the golden rule, how we should love our neighbor as ourselves. But if we were to just say that God's love is just those things, then we're truncating it. When we take justice and we only want to make it about the things that are important to us, and we truncate it, then we've done a disservice to who God is and God's character, because it's not just about particular things such as uh, economics, uh, such a, about race, about you know matters that are just important to us, but it spreads over humanity as a whole. Mm-hmm. And again, for me, I get worried about this because when Christians want to truncate it and make it just about the parts that they find more important, then I want to express it more broadly because God is a God of justice and this is who he is. So what I've seen is that people's theology has governed their view on justice as well. When we have this this theology that we will accept Christ and then we wait until God comes back. There's this idea that I'm going to keep myself and do all things good for myself and my family. And in the meantime, I'm just going to try to not sin. And then when I when Jesus comes back, I'm gonna go see see Jesus. And I think in that in between period, people don't know how to live their life. And I, I don't think that's God how how God has intended us to live our life is that when we accept Christ, we have to live out biblical ethics and kingdom ethics and which is to help people. And I think that's a piece in my Christian walk that um, has been missing. Yeah, and I think like to what you're saying too, I think a lot of that is shaped by the culture that we live in, where in America, it's a very individualistic society. And so when we start talking about justice, you know, we start thinking about things more internally. But I think when you look at scripture and who the Jewish people are, where their society and their culture is more like Hmong people, where we're more about the about the corporate body, a more of a collectivist society. And I, I mean that term socially. I don't mean it politically because I know when, when I say collectivism, people think, oh, like, you know, he he's thinking, of, uh, you know, he's taking it in a political manner. But I, I'm not. I mean it in a social way where as a Hmong American, you know, we're taught uh, values and we're taught the Hmong culture where we look at these things as a whole and how it affects everybody. And if we just think about justice for ourselves. But then I think scripturally, when we look at the Old Testament and the New Testament, for me, it, it's 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 very um, compelling that it is a story or it is a topic that covers the whole of of culture, the whole of society, the whole of a people group. And as I've started to, again, uh, read more in depth about the Gospels and their accounts, there's a lot of not just spiritual matters, but matters that affect society, uh, socioeconomic status, uh, that affect the current events that's going on in, in Jesus's time. 
you know, especially like when Jesus is talking about paying fair wages to people or not exploiting others, or when he's talking about um, the a merciful servant, I think those are are real life events or real life situations that are happening in that time because the Jewish people are people who have been dominated and conquered by the Roman government. And Jesus is telling his people, you know, let's not take advantage of one another. Let's not exploit your fellow Jew, but mm -hmm. let's love one another. Let's extend uh, justice to each other and not take advantage of your fellow brother and sister. And not only that, but that story also flows into how we treat Gentiles too, because the Gentiles weren't really part of, of the Jewish story, but in the New Testament, you know, you see all of these characters uh, who are outside of the, of the of the Jewish people that Jesus is extending mercy, extending grace to them as well. And so as Christians, you know, we need to be careful that we don't just make this about us. We don't just make this about myself. We don't make this just about America or or the people that I care about, but that we really open up justice to to everyone that we open up justice uh, to all of humanity because god is a god of justice right. god is a god who loves all people and that we're all created in god's image yeah and i think just to kind of sum up what i'm hearing from both of you what i'm hearing from you paul is that there are these competing definitions of of what justice means and i think that that's good to name and i think the old testament actually names that where um, the prophets talk about Israel perverting justice, mm -hmm. have a sense of justice, but it's corrupt, right? But then I like what Second is uh, really emphasizing here, that at the core of what justice is, it does flow from the character and the heart of God. And that's really what we're affirming when we use the word justice, is that it's not some peripheral issue that God doesn't care about, but actually justice is the heart of God for, for human beings in the world. And so I think the work ahead of us is to continue to refine justice so that we don't pervert it. But we all have a sense of a gauge of what justice means or what it doesn't mean. And, you know, and we have to sort through these competing definitions of justice, remembering that justice is anchored in the heart of God. Right. The other thing I noticed, what Second said that I think is really crucial to this conversation is this individualistic lens, like that here in America and in the West, we live in a hyper-individualistic culture where right. our, yep. our account of sin is reduced to individualistic, moralistic sin, right? So if that's how we're, what we're reducing sin to, then we will never see the remedy or the solution to sin in the social dimension, right? If sin is only me and what I do, then there's no way we will ever diagnose sin at the social level. And I think I heard Second saying this, where God is calling a whole people group to have right relationship with God and with one another. So yeah. we need to expand our definition of sin from only individual. It is individual, but it's also, there's a corporate dimension of sin as well that requires a corporate dimension of correcting that sin or um, you know, mirroring God's justice corporately and socially to counteract that social sin. And Derek, uh, we know that you've been involved in some um, activism here in the Twin Cities. And for us, you know, the three of us, we are, you know, we live in the Twin Cities. And there's been a lot of events that have happened here in the last, I would say, 
probably five years here with our African-American brothers and sisters, you know, experiencing injustice in our cities and in our communities. And I was at a church a few years ago, and that church building was only a few miles from where uh, Flando Castile was shot. And unfortunately, in the church, you know, it didn't even come up. It wasn't even a topic that we discussed at all. And we had some, wow. we had, yeah, and we had some individuals at our church who were uh, African-Americans. And when we were sitting there at service and we didn't, that topic didn't even come up. I was kind of, I, I felt so much pain for our my African-American brothers and sisters. And just thinking about how, again, when we, when we talk about these things, you know, we have to empathize and know the heart and understand the heart of other people too that are experiencing these things that are going on around them and unfortunately for the twin cities it's, it's been such a devastating um, mm. series of events that has has happened here and with the twin cities having such a large population of Hmong americans as well we've been seeing a lot of uh, racist actions towards Hmong people as well in this community where, where people are using racial slurs against us people are defecating uh, property people are throwing out racial slurs there was a a woman uh, in St. Paul, she was at the light rail uh, waiting for, I remember um, that. yeah, waiting for uh, the train to come by. And these, you know, group of, of teenagers, you know, one of them kicked her and then they, they had a video of it and they posted it on, you know, this video of this you know, elderly Hmong woman getting kicked. And you're like, man, what is going on in our society? And where is the justice here? And Dara, I know that you've been a part of that. And, and I was hoping you could share some of the stories that you've been involved with. Yeah. And I think what we're beginning to name here in terms of like there's anti-Asian, you know, racial injustice or anti-Asian racism, there's anti-Black racism. I think it's important to name, uh, as I share, uh, just to name that it's important to engage social justice from our particular social location, right, as a Hmong American or as an Asian American. And it's important to know that, you know, as a monk person, I'm not um, speaking up for any community other than my own. I can stand in solidarity, of course, with the black community, with the uh, Latinx community, with the indigenous community. We we ought to do that. Right. But but it's important to know that we bring in our own unique ways in which we've been oppressed and we've been marginalized into that conversation as Hmong Americans. So George Floyd. Yeah, George Floyd was a point in history where um, the world is in a global pandemic and this was summer of 2020 and many of us are already feeling dreary and hopeless and confused about what's going to happen what what does the other side of this pandemic looks like right and then all of a sudden the news and facebook is over flooded with this video of this white minneapolis officer who we know as derek Chauvin, with his knee on the back of George Floyd's neck, and George Floyd is saying, I can't breathe. Mm-hmm. And after about nine minutes of that, um, passes away on the scene. And so I'm processing this. I remember being outside with my six-year-old at the time. Uh, my son was two. And, you know, I take him outside to play, you know, summer outside, it's pandemic, we didn't have much to do. But this is the day after the incident where George Floyd was killed. And I'm sitting there trying to play with my kids, and I just have this blank stare on my face. And I know that my six-year-old daughter can detect that. So instead of me trying to just push on and fake it with her, I just tell her. I just say, Penny, today I am feeling sad. 
because this is what I said to her. I just said, said the words. I just said, I'm sad because yesterday police killed a black man for no reason. And it was my processing of this news with my six-year-old daughter that really brought the the reality and the magnitude of systemic racism like into our home and and, and into what i felt like into you know my innocent girl's world um and i know that black families they they know this reality all too well already right uh, but for Hmong american families um you know it hurt it hurt me and it hurt us in new ways to have to to break such sad news to my six-year-old daughter that this happened in our town this isn't some you know deep in the past historical event this happened yesterday in our backyards uh, and explaining to my six-year-old that this is the world that she's living in and how do i parent her through that so that was kind of just the backdrop of of what it meant for me to process this, um, even with my family as a Hmong American. Well, first of all, Dirt, thanks for sharing that. I, I don't even know how, <laughs> I haven't had that conversation with my, my son yet. And that, that must be hard for you to do that. And um, as I was on Facebook, during the time you were processing, I noticed that you went out on the streets to go stand. So this is really, this is uh, fascinating for me to hear how this developed and then, um, I saw that a picture of you holding up a sign, and when I saw the sign, I was like, I don't think Derby would hold that sign up. That I stand up for black people because I'm afraid of them. <laughs> and I was like, all right, I I need to go and look at Der's uh, page because I'm sure that's not it. And I remember after I saw you, I I messaged you and said, hey, Der, this this is uh, going up, um, and I I reported that image. But what was going on? Um, as you were on the streets, as you were out there holding that sign, like, uh, what was that reality like? So the whole reason we were out there was, you know, a group of clergy, church leaders and pastors who were uh, gathering for a peaceful protest at the 5th Precinct uh, in, in Minneapolis. And so my friend and my pastoral colleague, uh, T.C. Moore, invited me. And I was like, yes, I want to go. And, and join with my physical presence there, uh, or what my my other pastoral colleague, um, Oshida, taught me, we are praying with our feet, right? This is our way of praying for peace oh, just like that. with our like feet. That. that stuck with me, right? And so that's what I was out there to do, was to pray with my feet. And I had a, I had a sign that read, Hmong Americans for Black Lives. And, you know, this was um, my first experience of being at a peaceful protest like this. Um, I've joined other, you know, sit-ins and I've joined other rallies before, but um, this was my first time at something of this level. And, you know, when we got to the scene by the 5th Precinct in Minneapolis, there was buildings that were still, you know, partially on fire. That was, there was smoke still, you know, emanating from them. Walked past the target, uh, the back door was open and the Security lights are flashing, but no, obviously no one was there to to be security. And so we walk past all of these things, which you know, if you've never experienced that, it's it's immediately traumatic. You feel like you're in a war zone. Um, you know, uh, the, the crazy thing about that target is, my oldest daughter, she has uh, violin lessons in just a block from that target, and we wow. were there just the week prior, her having her violin lessons. Wow! And all of a sudden, you know, the riot, the rioting happened, and we were like, hey, that's a target that 
you know, it was right next to where you have your lessons. And mm-hmm. it just became so real for, for our family when, when we saw that, when you saw the footage. Totally. Yeah. I mean, and I can't, that's the thing. I didn't know that area before showing up for the reason that I did. But if there was, you know, for, for people, that's their, their home, that's their community. Um, but so TC and I are walking up to where the, the rally is. And, you know, as I sat there, standing there uh, with my uh, Hmong Americans for Black Lives sign, I got to tell you some of the experiences in the conversations and interactions I had with Black sisters and brothers there was just a, a taste of what reconciliation and peace and justice could look like, right? Just a little glimpse of it, right? And so what I mean is people were, um, you know, black brothers and sisters were gently approaching me and uh, just acknowledging my presence, my solidarity there, um, offering little gestures like a a smile, a head nod, uh, a fist bump, Mm -hmm. politely asking if, hey, can I take your picture? It's, I'm glad to see you here. Thank you for being here. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just countless incidences like that. that was contrary to what a lot of the Hmong American critics on social media were saying of like, oh, this dude is gonna be there for all of 30 minutes before he gets jumped. <laughs> like, I'm like, you're just showing your anti-black sentiment in that statement. Cause what really happened was a lot of, again, brothers and sisters approached me with a positive acknowledgement of my presence there. And I'll share this last story here. As we were, this is the most memorable moment for me. As, you know, after a couple hours being there, Pastor Tusi and I are like, okay, it's time for us to go. We start walking back to our cars and we notice a gentleman riding a moped approaching us, right? Didn't think he was going to stop to talk to us. So this black gentleman rides his moped, stops next to us, and he says to me, he goes, hey, I just came up here to tell you how much it meant to see you standing there with that sign. Like, you don't know what that meant to me. Mm-hmm. And my heart felt a hundred emotions wow. in that wow. moment. Right? I'm, I'm feeling it right now. You're just telling me I'm feeling it right now. So I'm not even you. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's these super small gestures of me putting my body in a place that, that speaks a message of peacemaking, a message of, you know, justice and reconciliation that has this rippling effect um, on, on people. And that was the last thing that someone said to me before Pastor TC and I um, made our way back to the car and and went back home. Yeah, Dre, thanks for sharing that. Uh, thank you so much. Yeah. And and thanks for being, you know, a person who would advocate on the behalf of, of Hmong Americans, who would advocate on behalf of, of uh, African-Americans as well. So just, just thank you for that. And, and like what Oshida said, thank you that, you know, you're praying, uh, not just with, you know, your words, but you're praying with your feet. Mm-hmm. Thank you for what you did, because what you did was you extended humanity to that guy in the moped, right? He saw that you saw that he was human. You saw that he was a person that had value. And I think that's really important for us as Christians to be able to do that. Before we think about any political view or anything like that, if we could see a person as human, loved by God first, the discussion changed. And a great friend told me that, uh, Dr. Ruben Rivera. Um, and he said that if we could see a person as human and approach him that way, 
we talk about the topics differently. But what he saw was that use extended humanity and saw his humanity and his value. So thank you for doing that. And, and as believers, you know, we know that justice flows from the gospel. And we need to, at times, advocate for others and also advocate for ourselves. You know, this isn't, these aren't stories just about ourselves or about you know, what we did. You know, like what Dur said, it's, it's not to prop ourselves up. But even when I look, you know, through the book of Nehemiah, where Nehemiah, where Nehemiah was the cupbearer to um, Artaxerxes, and he's advocating for the Jewish people, mm-hmm. asking him, you know, I, I need to return home. I need to return back to Jerusalem from exile. And I need to rebuild the wall. I need to, I need to help my people. And he stood in front of the king and asked, and asked uh, for this. You know, he put himself out there. Because the king could have said no, the king could have had him executed. But fortunately, in that time, he had the Lord's favor on him, and he was allowed to go and advocate on behalf of his people and rebuild the wall. And not only that, but as Christians, since we're followers of, of Jesus, and because justice flows from the gospel, justice flows from God's character, again, we should not truncate the gospel. We should be people of justice. You know, we, we should not limit justice to just our sphere. And again, I just thank you, Dur, for advocating on behalf of many people and for telling your story. I just kind of want to add, um, since it's just right after Easter as well, is just that, um, you know, we are the biggest benefactor <laughs> of, of justice, of a, of a biblical justice, right? And it's Jesus' forgiveness of our sins. And second, you're talking earlier about like Jews and Gentiles and how we should treat Gentiles. We are the Gentiles and we were the ones that were not in the kingdom, but it's because of God's grace his, and his justice, his perception of justice, that we are now into the kingdom. And um, I want to thank God for that. And, you know, and one of the examples that I love the most as I'm reading through the New Testament is actually found in Galatians chapter 10. When uh, Paul's writing, you know, to the church, to the churches there, and Paul says to them, you know, the all they asked of me, you know, the all the the they is James, Peter, and John, you know, all that they asked of him was that he would continue to remember the poor, mm-hmm. and that has always struck me as just just very, very odd, very strange. Like of all the things mm-hmm. that James, John, and Peter wanted you to do, Paul, of all the things they asked him to continue to remember the poor. And to me, this is a, a, a big view of who God is, of who the early church was. And I'm so glad that, that we can be people who, where justice flows from us and that we can be people who love others, you know, regardless of their skin color, regardless of their ethnicity, regardless of their socioeconomic status. Mm-hmm. And so, Jimin, did you guys have anything else to share today? Well, I'll just add, we can find God's heart and concern for the well-being of people. And, you know, our job as believers, I I think, is to embody that, to live that out in our local context um, as as a sign to, to reflect the heart of God's justice for the world. We call this transformation without triumphalism. You know, we don't want to the church to triumphant over society, and we don't believe that that's going to happen prior to Jesus coming back to fully institute his kingdom. But we are to live in, in ways that would transform or to be an alternate picture of society and to transform it without believing we're going to ultimately triumph over it.
What I want to offer our listeners is to continue to wrestle this through this idea of social justice, biblical justice. Because I know that for me, like I said um, earlier in the podcast, this hasn't been a large topic of my life. Um, even though I, I, I've been a Christian for majority of my, my life as well. In my mind, they were divorced. And I realized that they're actually not at all. They're actually one of each other. You know, if you want God's justice, then you need to be participating in social justice and um, do actions that honor God. So I believe that um, for the listeners out there, I would encourage you, if this is new to you, to do more research, to look, to have more conversations about this idea. And uh, if not, reach out to us on our Facebook as well, too. So thank you both. And thank you, listeners, for joining us today. As a reminder, please subscribe to the podcast and like our Facebook page. We look forward to sharing more stories with you.